we'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. Welcome to the Homestead Podcast. You are joining co-hosts Carol and Jamie of TwoGalsHomesteading.com. If you found yourself here, that means you are ready to take responsibility for what you eat, your family's health, and your family's well-being while living a simpler life. You can do this and have fun, saving money along the way. Let them help you unleash the homesteader within. By doing more with less, you will gain what is needed to create confidence, impact, and change in your life and the lives around you. Let's start homesteading, let's start now. Hi, Jamie. Hey, Carol. Well, how's it going? It's going good. Okay, so we picked our topic this week. I want to thank you for tuning in. (laughs) I almost forgot to thank you for listening. We are going to talk about kabucha. And now you've been doing kabucha for several... Nine nine years, I think. Well, who's counting after five? It doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, it's like... Yeah, we were talking about how I got started with kombucha and that that migration of trying to do more natural, healthy stuff you know, lost our health insurance and everything. And so it's like, okay, I can't afford to go to the doctor. So what can I do? And Mm -hmm. somebody at church mentioned, well, have you ever heard of kombucha? And here I am nine years later doing it and don't even think about doing it. I just do it now. Okay. Yeah. And you, you have just, you started and you have just had kombucha in your house since you started. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, I started out with a gallon and, you know, at the time we had the four kids still living at home. And they're Bob, Bob and I, and so then there's six of us. And they all took a sample of it, and two of them decided, yes, this is good. And so, you know, I only made a gallon. <laughs> that didn't get you very far, did no. it? No. And then it's like, oh, i got to wait another 10 days until the next gallon. And I'm like, this isn't sustainable. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> yeah. I want it. And, you know, it's like, and so then it's like, okay, then we get a two-gallon party server thingy to do a continuous brew, and we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. By the end of that first summer, I was up to 10 two-gallon jugs at my house. And it was a process. I bet. I have learned how to streamline it. And now they've moved out, and I'm down to only three <laughs> two-gallon jars. <laughs> and so that helps. And that's that was my journey of kombucha. Now, do you drink kombucha? <laughs> no, I, I do not yes. because it tastes like vinegar to me. Okay. I don't like that flavor now. Rich likes it, and I'm thinking he told me 2011 is when he started, when he started his small farm and sustainability group. He had asked in there, and somebody helped him through the steps of that, and he has had kombucha on and off, not like you've just continuously had it for nine years or whatever. He has not. He makes some, and then he kind of loses interest. Or I've given him bottles. Yeah. Yep. You've you've supplied him. When when he was really sick a couple times, I brought, he's like, here, drink this. Yep. And um, he's, he did, now he's got a, got a SCOBY from you. Yep. And um, we have a brew sitting over there. If you follow our Facebook page, you'll see that um, he, that we've been posting about the the SCOBY. The, yeah, the SCOBY and how the process is going. He started it uh, six days ago. Now, see, with you not liking the vinegar, if he likes the vinegar taste, that means he's just let it hit go longer. But so you're at six days, seven days right now. I would say you start tasting it just a little bit and see if you can tolerate it. But 
he puts apple cider vinegar in his at the start. Oh. And I don't like the flavor of apple cider vinegar in a drink. I don't. Okay. Yes. I can't do that. So I need to bring you some of mine (laughs) that does not. See, that's interesting you say that because he told me that your kombucha to him tastes too sweet. Okay. It might be might make a difference. Yes. I don't know, but I yeah, I don't I really don't care for kombucha. That is not see I had never read until today or when I was doing research for this, I read that Cultures for Health, I was reading their thing about how they make kombucha and stuff and they recommended um distilled vinegar if you didn't have a scoby or if you didn't have starter tea. Okay. And I'm like going Huh. And all these years, I've never seen that. Yeah, I don't see it in most of the... How-tos? Re- yeah, the how-tos, except it was... Rich started with that, um, with the person who mentored him um, through the group, and he said to add that to help... The acidity, okay. Yeah, it's, I don't know if it's more of a shortcut or what, but yeah. just to make sure it turns out okay. And he likes that, you know, yeah. he isn't into the really sweet stuff, but he had kind of started it because he, he wanted to get off of soda or pop, as we yes. call it here in Minnesota. And that was, he could get a carbonated drink that had that bite, that that carbonated bite, and not all the ick that comes with a soda. Through the process, you know, weaned myself off. I don't know if the kombucha so pretty much say, but it was like, okay, my body started reacting to, you know, I was a Diet Coke, Diet Mountain Dew drinker. And my body like said, no, you will not be drinking that. Let me show you why. <laughs> you know, and so that was one of them is diet pop. And then I moved on and I was drinking regular pop. And it's not any better because of all the corn syrup and everything in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so I do come back to the kombucha and I love that. And then the way I and Bob usually drinks it, we usually put a shot of some type of juice in it. Bob's likes a cherry tar- tart cherry. So, yeah, he likes it on the tart side. I don't think he likes it very vinegary like Rich, but he likes it tart. I mean, so when I do my kombucha, it brews for minimum 14, maybe even up to 20 days in the wintertime. So okay. it's like, so so he gets the more vinegar, more tart, but not quite vinegar. Okay. Yeah. Well, Rich, Rich's tastes very much like vinegar to me. Um, well, if he starts it with vinegar, I can see that. Yeah. And so. if he starts with vinegar that has a mother in it, does he? Or yes. is it just... Yes, the vinegar has a mother in it. Yep. Right. I buy the Bragg's or yep. organic. Yep. So I wonder how much that supplies. Well, it probably goes into making his um, SCOBY. And so well, should we start? So what is, should we start with that? What yeah. is kombucha for... a little bit about what exactly it is. is. And I, I always, base, basic, simple term I use is it's fermented tea. Yep, that's what I would call it too. And, and um, one place I saw said it was black tea. But then I do a black and a green tea mix. The only rule I saw was that you can use almost any tea, but it can't have oils in it. So if it's going to be an herbal tea, it truly has to be an herbal tea made from the leaves. It can't have any essential oils added into it, like a bergamot. Not a bergamot. Um, Earl Grey tea has bergamot oil in it, usually. Oh, okay. So you wouldn't want to use anything that's got an oil in it. Yeah, I, I read that as long as the tea has caffeine in it. That caffeine is very important oh. in your tea because it helps digest the sugars or something. Oh, okay. Um, Didn't I read did, that one. Yep, I did read that. I don't even That's amazing what, what the two of us, the two yeah. different pages we come yep. on and research. So that's basically what it is. And it's been around for hundreds. Centuries. Centuries. Yep, centuries. Hundreds, thousands of years. Probably um, it started out in China, Asia. And I, I read somewhere where it was like uh, 220 B.C., that oh. there's documentation of that. And yeah. then um, I read that in uh, it moved to Russia. Then it eventually made its way into Eastern, through 
through Eastern Europe into Germany, and Germany actually called it kabucha mushroom. And there's a oh. German German term for it, and I'm not even going to try no, to say No, no, there's some words. Um, but, you know, the, the scoby does kind of look like a mushroom. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, and it can freak some people out. Yeah, it's kind of weird looking. I don't um, know. Feels, I saw a description <laughs> of it. Someone said it feels like raw chicken. I'm like going, hmm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, but yeah. some people freak out at the looks of it and stuff, and it's like, that's gross. Yeah, it's not exactly the prettiest thing. No, no. No, no. but if, <laughs> if it works. Okay. Yours right now does. Yeah, I was going to say ours. Is- um, and so some of the health benefits. You know, you talked about you you lost your health insurance, and that's what yep. kind of started you on that journey. Yep, the natural journey is yep. kind of what it started. And so I was reading that it's full of antioxidants, and it also has some antimicrobial and gut health of course it's that, a fermented that's the biggest yep. one for us yep it's the gut health yep it's the gut health i mean it's a fermented drink basically yep. just like your sauerkrauts and all those fermented vegetables you know you that, guys you do what kimchi kimchi yeah i just had some for lunch today <laughs> and then it also helps boost your immune system yes and it also um helps remove heavy metals from your body yes i did read that that it helps like detoxify your liver, liver. Um, I also read that it helps with some chronic diseases such as cancer yeah. and diabetes. Okay, I've never read the diabetes one. Yeah, um, I didn't. Oh, it helps with blood sugar control. That's that's where that would probably come in. And so I thought that was interesting. And I was just, I had a customer here this morning for milk. And I was saying I was researching the kabucha. And she's like, oh, yeah, I've, I always have kabucha every day. So it definitely is a health food type, you know, your people who are doing basically what we do. Kabucha is very common in most households, I think. Nowadays, nowadays. Yep. And you can buy it in store. Yep. Much mm-hmm. more. Back when I started, there was one brand. Cashwise was the only store you could buy it at. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it's really um, gotten to be a big uh, health food tonic yes. type. Um, and the thing. market, the world market, I was reading an article about it, the world market of it is huge. It's like in between now and like 2028, 20, 28, they say it's going to double or 20%. The, the market's going to go up about 20% in that time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I did not read that. But boy, that's interesting. It was kind of a dry article. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we mentioned the worldwide market for this. Now, of course, we don't buy kombucha. No, no. Yeah, it's not cheap. And you know, you don't, you, you know, what's in it kind of sort of, but when you really you make don't. it yourself. You know what's in it. You know exactly what's in it because you're Hence why I one. make almost anything I do is that because then we know what's in it. Yep, you know exactly what's in it. But maybe we should talk a little bit about um, what we need to make kombucha and um, where we might find those ingredients. Okay. Of course, it's pretty darn simple to make. Nowadays. Yep. It's, yeah, it's, nowadays. Once yep. you get the, once you, the, your biggest hurdle of finding is the scoby and the starter tea. And all the starter tea is kombucha. So you can go buy a jar of kombucha at your local store. And as long as it's a good brand and you look what's in it and there's no funky ingredients or flavorings in it and stuff, you could take that home and with time, grow your own scoby. Right. You can make a tea, you know, make a sweet tea, put your kombucha in it and wait a month and you will have a scoby and then hence you're going. That's what I But if you're lucky, you need to find a friend like me that has... Because over the wintertime, I don't separate my SCOBY. So my SCOBY was like three inches thick. Because it, it produces a SCOBY, a SCOBY every, every, every time, time you make a batch. So it always has a baby. Yep, it always has a baby. And the, the newest, strongest SCOBY is on top. 
So oh, when, I didn't you're, know that. When, you, when you go to separate your SCOBY, you want to keep the newest baby. So, yes, that's the biggest hurdle is finding, finding your SCOBY. Depending on what size of jar. I mean, I saw a recipe for a quart and I'm like going, why would you make so little? <laughs> all the way up to like I'm making two gallon. I have a two gallon SCOBY. So and it's almost all the way full. Not quite because you need to leave airspace. And so it's probably one and three fourths gallons. You know, here in the U.S., I have no idea what that is in liters. Um, you know, so that's what I'm making in my thing. So that's your white. And then you need uh, uh, organic cane sugar. Um, you need, like, let me think. I have it written in my notes. Tea. Tea. Oh, you need a tea. Um, I use a mixture of black and green tea. And and I do use organic tea for that. Yeah. So do we. And water. And water. Filtered water. You don't want any chlorine in it or fluoride. So either buy your your gallon or reverse osmosis if you're lucky enough to have it or distiller whatever distilled oh. spring water would probably spring be spring water okay. would probably be good too yep so bottled water basically yeah bottled water and time and time actually i have it down i can make my three jars in roughly an hour now but then i probably don't follow all the rules like they say well okay so let's talk a little bit about you now we know what we all need and everything but how do you um, how do you disinfect everything so that you <laughs> she gives me this funny look like i don't disinfect I d- anything I okay don't. so i so, washing my hands i'm back to one of those as long as i use soap and water to wash my hands and all my things are are fairly clean i mean i don't boil anything okay um, I just take my, you know, I wash them after I'm done and I throw them in my cupboards and that's why I pull them out and I start pouring water. I do boil my water before for making my tea. And um, I saw one place that's all it said was that that it had to be warm, warm enough to brew tea. But I, I do boil my tea and then I seep my tea bags for 15 minutes. Then I add my sugar in and then here's one of the rule breakers because back in the day when I was making 10, 10 jars of tea. I didn't have time for wait, sit and wait for all these to cool. And so I have reverse osmosis ice in my refrigerator. And I would use that to cool it down quickly. Oh. Because okay. I was making it one pan at a time because I only had one pan. Oh, yeah. When you're making a huge, huge amount badge. like that, that makes sense. And so, so, and I still do that. I still take, I, you know, I have the process down. It's like any recipe. You start with a basic, make it a few hundred times, and then you morph it. Or you make it a few times and it's more. And now it's my recipe. And it's in my environment. And so, it handles my environment. You know, but as long as, you know, I'm not, because I use continuous, continuous brew, I am not reaching in and touching my SCOBY with my hands. You know, when I like separated it for you guys, um, I wash my hands, take all my rings off because my rings are dirty and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I take all that off and then I reach in and mess with it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, only once a year do I clean my I jars. I was just going to ask when you do, when you're doing a continuous brew like that, how often do you actually take your equipment apart and once clean everything? Because you've got a spigot on yours, yep. right? It's a spigot. So well, now the spigot I do try to take apart every time because you'll get a scoby growing in it. Oh, oh and, we'll have to and, remember that because that's what we got going yep, on over and there. It, and it will, where it, it will plug it and you <laughs> you will know. And so you will have to unscrew it okay. and clean out. So I that almost every time it's, I drain it, I open that up because that's how I taste it and test it. See, I'm not right. poking anything in it to test it or anything. I have the spigot and so that's how I'm draining it. And that's how I used to always drain it. I'm not so concerned about that I, you know, must disinfect every utensil, everything that touches it. I mean, I wash it. It's gone through the dishwasher. It's been cleaned and it's been put in my cupboard. As as long as it's clean, you don't think it needs to necessarily be sterile. 
No. That's what you're saying. No, my life isn't sterile. So. <laughs> well, I don't think most kitchens are. Um, no, no. Know. I think we're going to take a quick break here to hear from our friends from picosupply.com. Family-owned PicoSupply.com brings small-town customer service to their online farm store. PicoSupply.com specializes in automatic waterers from top brands such as Mirico, Jug, Franklin, Trojan, and Ritchie, as well as other products for your operation. Find your farm supplies and automatic waterers at PicoSupply.com. That's P-E-T-E-C-O Supply.com. PicoSupply. Let's see. We were talking about the recipe. Yes. Yeah, making it. Okay, so now I know what Rich's recipe is, and I do believe it takes, let's see, I've got it in front of me. So he uses this recipe here, and it takes a gallon of water, five to six bags of tea, and a half a cup of apple cider vinegar, because I said he adds vinegar to his, and a cup of sugar and a SCOBY. Is that similar to what you do? Is that pretty close? Do you use more sugar, less sugar? Um. Uh, you same amount of sugar. Um, it would have been two black tea bags and three, so five for five for okay. a gallon. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. Same. Close to I, see, I do. I double everything, and so I'm not going to think. And so then I don't put vinegar. Is about the only difference. Okay, so this is pretty basic. Yeah, basic and I don't recipe. measure my water anymore. <laughs> oh, I suppose not, because you've been doing it long enough. Yeah, I just kind of like, and you know, and I look at it it's like. Eh. Like in the wintertime, I may put a little bit more water in it because it sits on a heat mat and it evaporates more. So I add a little bit more water to take it through until I drain it. I will probably ha- lose about an inch in evaporation on the wintertime because it sits on a heat mat for 16 hours a day. I was just going to say, we should talk about it does need heat. I mean, it needs it needs warmth of it. If it isn't warm enough, it just takes longer. It just takes it longer. It just, just takes longer. Yeah. So, you know. Just so like baking bread. Yep. So it it says anywhere. If you look at any recipe, it'll say anywhere from six, no, seven to like thirty days to make a batch of kombucha. Well, I don't have thirty days to wait for this. Mm-hmm. We drink it every day, and so I have just plant heat mats on my kitchen counter, and I have a timer on them so that they come on at eight o'clock at night, and that so that's twelve hours. So and they go off at eight o'clock in the morning. So that's how I keep it warm because, and we're in Minnesota and. Uh, the heat goes down to 62 at, at night in our house. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it goes down to 64 in ours. Let's go a little bit about making the tea. So you've made the tea, you've got your scoby in, you get it all set up. Either no, on you the have heat to let you have to let your tea cool down. Yep, you talked about that, adding ice. Yeah, I add ice and yep. I cool it down mm-hmm. um, like you would for like yeast. So under 100 degrees or under. Because if it is over 100 and probably 5 to 10 degrees you will kill the scoby and all the good bacteria that's in it. And you will get mold growing on it. Yeah. And don't be afraid to temp it. No, use a thermometer. Um, I still use my finger tip a lot of times. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, I know. I've done it enough. And so if I grab my pan to go pour it into my container, and I'm like, ooh, that pan is still hot, then I will clean mm-hmm. my fingers and stick it in going, ah, that's too warm. And then I'll add a couple more ice, ice cubes. You're better off having it a little on the cool side yep. than on the warm side. Yep. Because it will come up to room temperature. I mean, and the easiest way to do it, one of the videos way back when I was started was that she made her tea and she left it all day on the stove to cool down. You know, she made her tea, took the tea bags out, put her sugar in it, dissolved her sugar, and then let it set. I just don't have space to do that in my tiny kitchen. All right. So we got it down to cool. 
cool. And then cool. you're gonna and put then your scoby in. Just put your scoby in your jar. You know, because I oh yes, you can do that I'm way doing too. A continuous brew, brew is just like yours. You're never gonna take your scoby out of your thing until you're ready to divide it. So you're all you're gonna do is you're gonna drain it out and you're gonna make your tea, put your sugar in your tea, and then you're gonna let it cool down and then you're gonna pour it in your container. Put your cloth on top or your coffee filter on top and secure it with a rubber band. You're good. You're, you're done. done. Yep. Rich also puts the apple cider vinegar oh. in after everything's cooled down. Okay. So that would go in with the scoby yeah, if you so, were making it for the first time. So yeah, time. especially if you're using apple cider vinegar because you don't want to kill that, that scoby either. Correct. And so, and then you just need to let it sit. Mm-hmm. And in about seven days, you start tasting it. Either be it with, uh, you know, if it's just a gallon jar, um, I would get a straw, clean the straw, poke it in there. You know how you close the tip of oh, the straw, yeah. pull it out and taste it. Whereas now I have the continuous brew. And so I just use the spigot and drain a little bit into a cup. And that's like, okay, this tastes good to me. How about you? I'll ask. Poppy's always the final say. And he's like, nope, still too sweet. And so then it's like, okay, then you got to wait a couple more days. So there's not really any tried and true like no it is going to be done in four days or six nope. days or whatever because it all depends on the temperatures that temperature, are going on in your kitchen temperature and personal preference whereas rich and bob will want it to go longer and and then temperature is saying you know like in the summertime i can probably have it done in 10 to 14 days in the winter time if i don't use heat mats it can take up to three weeks the temperature is the hugest thing and so in the summertime you've got to keep a much closer eye on it than you do in the winter time speaking of summer Thinking, I did read that you do need to keep it out of direct sunlight. Yes. So you want to yes. kind of stick it in the corner of your kitchen or dining room or yes. whatever. And Some just place kind of leave does it. not have to be in the dark. Some people say dark cupboard. It just has to be out of direct sunlight. And so I have like two weeks in the summertime where the sun is just right at the right angle that it comes in my kitchen. I have a window in my kitchen and it can hit when I had all the all those six jars, it could hit the edge of that one jar. Okay. And so I... I covered it with a towel. I mean, that's an option. If you don't have a place that doesn't have direct sunlight, then cover it with a bath towel. You know, you just don't want the sun on it. Anything else about making the process of making kombucha? Not really. Okay, so now let's talk about it's done. Okay, it's as sweet or as bitter as or you tart will. or whatever. is. It it's, tastes good to me. Now what do I do with it? Now you drain it out. And you need to either, if you're going to store it in the refrigerator, you need to put it in a sturdy enough bottle that it won't explode because it's it's still fermenting even though what you're doing is you're draining it out so you're going to drain it out of your your jar either if you have just a like a gallon jar you're going to clean your hands really well and you're going to get a glass container uh, glass bowl or whatever you're going to pull your scoby out and you're going to pull out a cup of kombucha for your next batch and you're going to drain it out and you're going to put it in some sort of bottle. Either it be a canning jar with a screw-on tight lid. Would not recommend the two-piece canning lids because they're metal. That's why I take off my rings when I reach in and grab it. You don't want metals because actually the kombucha will eat the metal of your rings. Kombucha is fairly acidic. Yes. Right? So you want to take all your metal rings off. You don't want, you know, I saw one place that used metal. and I, But I've always been told, I've always read that you want to use glass. Use a plastic strainer, not a metal strainer. I don't know if you can kill the scoby with the metal strainer, but I know the kombucha eats away at metal, so maybe that's, that's why. That's that might be what the problem is. Okay, so we're we're bottling it. Um, I use amber bottles with the flip tops. That's the easiest because it will hold any carbonation that it continues to make. That will hold it in, and they won't explode. 
I bought some at Amazon and then I bought some. There was a beer brewing place in St. Cloud and that's where I bought some of my bottles. And so that's what I store mine in is a flip top because they continue to ferment in the refrigerator. You just slow it down. Just like sauerkraut and kombucha, you don't stop the fermentation unless you would to can them in the traditional sense. You Because we're not pasteurizing our kombucha, it continues to ferment. Okay. So you do need to have refrigerator space. Yes. <laughs> and Which so I have a second refrigerator. Yeah, I, was, I was reading through some stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's, all the benefits are um, something about kombucha. I'm thinking, but you got to have room in your refrigerator to store it. So yes. keep that in mind as you're making it that you don't make too much and you can't store it in your refrigerator to slow it down. Because if you bottle it and leave it sit on the counter... It's going to continue continue yeah. to ferment. And you don't want that. I assume those bottles would hold it for a while, but when you open it, it might be a mess. Yes. Um. Yep. Uh, it would be just like a pop bottle. Yep. Because, open. I mean, it's it, it's carbonated. Um. Let's let's also talk about the little floaties that are in the, in oh. the kabooch after you. <laughs> Always serious. <laughs> what you, because um, sometimes you end up with a little tiny scoby. Inside your... In your... Amber bottle jar. Yep. yep. Um, we, <laughs> my husband doesn't have a very nice term for them. <laughs> um, and so hence, um, he just fishes those. We just take a fork and fish them out. They are totally okay if you can stomach it to drink. Rich, Rich calls them oysters and he swallows them down. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It depends on how big they are. Because, yes, yeah, so, so, you know, you're do- dealing with a live product, basically. Yep. Um, and so you do get those. So don't be surprised if you're drinking homemade kombucha for yeah. the first time yeah because like when you buy commercial kombucha they don't have as many you you will see some of the yeast in the bottom of the jars but very seldom will you see a scoby in commercial that i've noticed i don't buy it very often you know it's a treat if i'm out and i want something and i'm it's like no i can't have pop and it's like and it, it is fortunate most of the time you can't find it in almost any gas station oh, but yeah so um you know i said think i've been doing it so long i don't even think about the the scobies that are <laughs> growing in there. Yeah. Yep. I just know Rich talks about them in there. Oh, there was an oyster, he says, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. That it I, can. I'm I'm that type person. I'm, yeah. It. Uh, yeah. If you're squimish at at all, it could be a tough one to get over. I've raised four kids, grew up on a farm. I'm not a squimish person per se, hardly at all. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's because good. I can't eat. I grew up eating raw oysters with my dad, so. Oh, well, that explains a few yeah, things now, doesn't a few it? Things. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, you don't need a whole lot. It's I not. mean, to make your own, is it's so easy, and it's, I hate to use the word, but it's cheap. It's oh, cheap. Oh, yeah, you've got tea, and my organic tea is probably the most expensive thing. I mean, sugar isn't that outrageously expensive. I mean, especially if you're just, if you're going to use beet sugar, if that's all you can afford right mm-hmm. now, you can make it. I did see somewhere where they talked about using honey. Yes, that's called a June tea or June kombucha. I look at that. That's expensive. Raw organic honey or local honey in the in our area is, it's $20 a quart. Yep, it's expensive. And you need, I've never made it because of that, but I'm assuming you need at least a cup of honey. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I didn't look at the recipe. Yeah, I didn't look just at the recipe. giving other options but for I'm, if you're going to compare, sweetener. you know, if it's a one-to-one, you know, like if you're, if you're replacing the honey, the sugar with the, a cup of honey. So you're looking at a, you know, $5 worth of honey mm-hmm. to make a gallon, gallon and a half of tea. 
seems like I would rather use that honey somewhere else. Yes. That would, I would be my thinking. Me too. Yep. That's what I do. But if that is important to you, you yep. can use other yep. sweeteners besides sugar. sugar. Yes. If you don't want white granulated sugar, raw sugar. Um, cane sugar, organic cane sugar. As I was, That's oh, the only thing I use in yeah, my house. I always yeah. have raw organic um, I don't always have sugar. the organic cane sugar. I have cane sugar is what I make mine with. And that's the only, really the only thing I probably use sugar for. And bread, maybe bread making yeah, every now and then. A little bit of sweetener in there. But okay, everything. so, and then you need water and a, a SCOBY. And now the SCOBY, we did talk a little bit about finding one. You know, find you a friend. You can order um, them online. Yep, you can find them online. I know there's a couple groups on Facebook. I don't know the names of them right now, but um, I belong to one at one time. Um, when I had lots and lots of extra kefir greens. Oh, okay. And they were they did scobies and they'd send you a scoby. Um, I'm sure if you requested if one. If you're in a wellness group like we are around yeah. our area, you get on a wellness group or even if you just throw it out on your friends, you'd probably be surprised at who has one. So I would just throw it out on Facebook, find a health yeah, group. Yeah, I, I really don't think you probably need to pay for one. No. You should be able to find one locally, but like you said, you can order but them But if you too. live in Alaska or somewhere and can't get one, don't have a close neighbor, you can order one. Yep. Amazon delivers almost anywhere, I think. I think so. I think you're right on that. So that's that's, that's the that's probably the biggest obstacle is finding yeah. finding that scope. Yeah, but I found one. I had a friend. Yeah. But I had a place I was going to order one from if I couldn't find somebody. Because I was looking at doing the, the month process of making a scoby. Because Cultures for Health has... Uh, a, a kit a kit that has the jar and the tea yep, has it has it's all everything. set up for you you can always go there and get the yep. whole whole kit and caboodle as it, they say well, and actually you can probably get their kit off amazon probably if you're prime and then you don't have to pay extra shipping but then they run specials a lot of time oh there's they've got specials going yeah on all the so time. so yeah i mean they're always running you know so maybe called, yep. once a month they have a free shipping time it could be um so that's culturesforhealth.com and they have they have all things culture, really. Yeah. They really do. Um, let's see. Anything else? Well, I was going to do some go. things of what you can do with your. Oh cult. yeah, what what can what can you do with? Are you talking about the scoby or? Well, or both. the capuch? Both. both. Okay. Both. Um, all right. Oh well, we kind of touched touched on the continuous brew. So, but because um, just off, <laughs> I got some of these off cultureforhealth.com's okay. website. It was like if you have it share there you go throw it out there and say hey i have I have kombucha scobies i'm you know dividing my scoby out anybody want any i mean um and they said experiment with them experiment you know with different sweeteners different teas but use a backup scoby don't use your main brew that you have once you have it going and you've got it where you're like it keep one don't mess with that one start another jar Oh, that makes sense. That you know, you so, don't so what if you're whatever you're doing, if it kills your scoby, because that's where you know something may it may not like it, and mm -hmm. it may die. Um, I'm lucky in nine in the nine years I've never lost one. I've never had mold grow on mine. Okay. I've had fruit flies get in one and had to throw it away. Hence, why you put the cloth on top. You want the biggest thing is to keep fruit flies out. Yeah, because you it needs to breathe, so it, you can't just put a lid on it. Yeah, no, you can't put a lid on it. It needs to breathe. Uh, so a coffee filter, uh, tea towel. I have ripped tea towels down small enough to fit on my jars. But it, the biggest thing, and tightly woven, not cheesecloth. Cheesecloth is too gauzy. You're loose. Woven. Too loose. Yeah, too, too loose. Woven, that the fruit flies in the summertime will get in it. Oh, wow. And they will lay Little the eggs stinkers. in it. And they will destroy it. Yeah, yeah they, they will destroy it. it. Yep. 
So, yeah, yeah, that's another whole science project there. Even beyond the homeschool mom I was. Um, you can add it to a smoothie. You take a piece of your SCOBY and throw it in with your smoothie if you can get over the mental image. Um, here's the one that, mm, make jerky with it. Mm, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do this for Rich. I proposed this to Bob one time when I was in a jerky making phase and he's like, nope. nope. I'm like, okay, won't do that. Um, you can make a candy with it. I've, I think I've seen that. Um, with I, the SCOBY or with, with the SCOBY? The, okay. um, and then here's another. This one kind of is like, oh, I should tell my daughter. Use it in place of raw fish and sushi. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, not a sushi eater. I like it. But I don't Ooh. eat raw fish sushi. sushi. I can't say it. Sushi. 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 And stuff. And so I was like, oh, if you're into raw fish, okay. Or if you're into sushi and I stuff. I it um, might have the texture of raw fish. Can yeah, I'm thinking yeah. that would probably be I it. I don't know. Um, use it as a face mask. You can use it whole or grind it up. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, use it, This one intrigued me. Um, use it as a bandage put it on a wound and put a bandage over top of it to hold it in place or something. I mean, it'd be right up there with me using kefir right. as a wound ointment. Yep. I do it all the time. Hence, put a kefir on Put some kefir on it, guys. Um, feed it to your pets. This one I've heard where you've dried it and make it like a chew toy. There yep. you go, Carol. Freeze dry. I was going to say, I freeze have Freeze dry it. Yeah. Have you, did you read anything about anybody no, trying I, to freeze dry a No, scoby? but I'm like going, hmm. hmm. Dang, I just Dang. threw an ice cream bucket full out in the compost bin. Okay, I suppose put a I note could, on your... I'm thinking I could go out and fish <laughs> out your, your vessel there and yeah. see um, if you... Next time, next I, time. I'll, it'll be a while before I before I die. I'll probably, I usually, it's usually June or so that I clean it, that I take the time it's to... It's only a couple months away. Yeah, but it won't, I won't have as much. That's true. And yep. It'll probably only be an inch thick back to being, you know, because I bring it down to like, you know, to just that new SCOBY, eighth of an sixteenth of an inch thick right now. Mm. By June, I might have a half inch depending on the temperature wise, um, add it to your chicken feed, feed it to your chicken. Yep. Um, compost it. That's what yeah, I I've do. I've heard of composting. And it. then, um, I have put it in the blender and I ground it up. So yeah, it must be around June because I put it into the blender, ground it up and then put a, uh, like a, you know, half a cup, a quarter of a cup at the bottom of my planting holes for my tomatoes and peppers. Does it help? I don't know. It can't hurt. Yeah, I was going to say it. It's not going to... I, I did read somewhere to put it in your garden and around your plants and stuff. So yep. I have heard... I did read yep. that. Here it says, make craft. Kombucha scobies can be dried until they are stiff but flexible. Use as a replacement for leather in toy drums, shoes, and other craft items. I have read that before. I have heard that before. And now you I, can't hear our producer I, in the I background. Gonna, I was just going to say, because I think... He edits himself out. <laughs> we were... Um, talking about once and somebody made jewelry out of it now that's that was a long time ago i remember it's talking about we can make jewelry out of this i'm like yeah okay whatever yeah okay here i don't see that here it says make june tea june heat is another ancient fermented drink you can make it at home by slowly converting kombucha scobies to feed on green tea and honey and that was the last one i was was just like and i'm like going hmm (laughs) i'd read some oh and in recipes um you can use it almost in any place of like where you'd put vinegar, like um, mayonnaise. If you're okay. gonna, you're now you're talking about the kombucha liquid. Now the, the scoby, yeah, not the scoby. Well, I suppose you could put some scoby in there yeah, if you blend it. Yeah, up. I saw you could make use it for salad dressing and. Yep, um, you making salad you can, any place that you would use vinegar, you can use the kombucha liquid. 
and I was thinking I had read that you could you could use it to make sauerkraut and stuff like that. Yes, um, I have, but I don't. Mm, I I read I read that, but I don't know. I've seen that with the kefir way, but not. I don't know if I've ever seen that anywhere with the kombucha. Yeah, I mean, it would be you know try it. I mean, if you have an abundance of kombucha, but then and I have have abundance. Only be would be only be cabbage. Cabbage is fairly cheap, right? If yeah. it didn't turn out real great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you only serve for a, blah, blah, blah. You only ferment it. Um, if you have a culture, you usually only ferment it three, four days and then it goes in the refrigerator because I keep it nine months in the refrigerator. Actually, I was just looking today at lunchtime going, who I need to make more sauerkraut because I'm down to like, probably you know two three inches in the bottom of my gallon jug i'm like but we have uh we have kimchi (laughs) i have a whole nother gallon of kimchi yeah you have got a refrigerator dedicated to your ferment type stuff oh milk and milk i was gonna say the other thing i was gonna say is okay so now with the kabucha and when you're deciding to put it wherever you're going to put it in your house do i need to worry about things like um i've got bread rising i've got keeper brewing um, any of those other things that ferment and cause yeast to be released Ye- into my kitchen. I have read in some so. places you do want to be careful of putting, um, if it's an open container. Um, so like my keeper, I keep a lid on it. So I do sit them by each other. Okay. Um, especially in the wintertime, it's cold because I don't have any other place to put a heat mat in my kitchen. And so I will sit it over there on the heat mat if it's really cold. Um but yeah, so if you're doing sourdough, I wouldn't set that right next to your kombucha. Because that's open. Yep. Um, Kombucha's now, open. Yep. Now my fermented vegetables, my sauerkraut and stuff, I am using an airlock. I'm using a container that has an airlock on it, so I am not as concerned about that. I have set them by each other. Okay, so wine making would probably be okay because you usually have an airlock okay. for not, wine. Not, never delved into okay. that one. Rich, Rich does wine, so um, yep, that has an airlock on it. What about clabbering? Now, you clabber milk, so do you? are you concerned about your clabber milk? I have not been because I leave a lid on it and I just Once crack again. it. Okay. I, you know, it's on there and it's cracked. So I look at it that it's not like, you know, free releasing the yeast and bacteria from the clabber. Um, and it doesn't seem to affect my kombucha. Okay. Because you have a small kitchen. So yep. that's why I asked. Now my kitchen's big, you know, our kombucha's way over here. My kefir's way over there. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of space in my kitchen because I have an open floor plan. Yeah. You do not. So that's why I was asking. Yeah. Can square now, footage you- wise, I should measure it someday. <laughs> The only advantage I have over you is I have nine foot ceilings. I have cupboards all the yep, way up. Yep. You, so yeah. I can stack it high. <laughs> but yeah, for as far as putting things out. A counter space, I only, I have, I have six feet where by my stove. And then I have probably another four feet that is usable. No, probably another six foot over there. But one spot has my toaster oven and the, uh, you know, a huge hunk of it has those, my kombucha jars. And so. And, and then part of it's got my food saver on it. So there's like two feet over there that's usable space. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know that as long you you feel as though as long as you have a lid on, on anything a, else that's fermenting team, yep. in your kitchen, an airlock or just yep. a lid, canning lid, pl- plastic lid, something that yep. is not open and breathing. Yeah. So, so like my when I'm doing sourdough, 
that is usually fermenting somewhere else. Okay. You know, either be at my dining room table. Um, and it's not sitting there as long. It's a, a two-day process at the most that it's sitting open. And I'm not sitting that by my kombucha. All right. So that was just a, just, I just had thought about yes. that. Um, Spitting too much. Heavy breather. My nose on these. <laughs> spit, are these spit guards? I am just going over my notes, seeing if we covered everything. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I know. Some people do a second ferment. Now you talked oh. about you talked about adding a splash of juice or whatever to yes, your stuff. For your do, flavor. You, do you do a second ferment? No, I do. I I tried it back when I first started doing it. Hence, my my issue is space because to second ferment enough for the whole gang took a lot of space. Um, and just recently, I had made cranberry juice, and so I had leftover cranberries, and so I fermented three jars of that with the cranberries that I took out of that juice. And um, I did not get much fizz, out, as much fizz out of it I wanted. And so my thinking is that there was not enough sugar left in those cranberries that had already made the cranberry juice that it didn't second ferment. So I'm thinking if I took those cranberries, put just maybe half a teaspoon of sugar in there and second fermented them, maybe I'd get a little more fizz. Because that's where you get your flavor. Anything that you buy flavored commercially wise, that they've second fermented it. Okay. So how do you second ferment? So second fermenting is you will take either fruit juice or um, fruit and put it in my, I put it in my flip top bottles, but hence cut it small enough that it will come out freely and you don't have to dig it out. Warning. Warning, warning. <laughs> PSA. <laughs> Do not shove a huge piece of fruit in a bottleneck, beer bottleneck, and you will have to retrieve that later. And it can be challenging. So you want to mince whatever fruit yeah, you're adding. Yeah, if you're adding it, fruit. Or cut sure it. Or will it be smashed enough? Can you smash it? You know, pineapple is a popular one, but you need to cut it small enough so that it fits in a bottleneck. Okay. You know, like a beer bottle. So if you really have to force it in there, you probably should no, cut it smaller. No, you shouldn't because you're going to have to force You may not get it out. Yeah, you want to be able to. And then yeah. hence that bottle. And they're not, I mean, when I they're bought them, they cheap. were $3 a bottle. I bet they're more expensive. Yeah, now. I'm sure they're probably $5 or more a bottle now. Yeah. Okay, so, so that's a good so, thing to And then know. all you do is you, you put your fruit in, fill your bottle up with... Um, kombucha leave two to three inch headspace put your top on it and this where you really want a flip top strong bottle you do not want a decorative flip top bottle you want because you can buy cute little bottles at tj maxx's and stores like that marshall's that are decorative they are not thick enough they will explode i'm yeah. told and all you do is leave it sit on the counter for three days and then put it in the refrigerator and it's second fermented Okay, so how much fruit or how much juice do you put in there? Do you experiment? It, you just have to kind of see how I it tastes for you. Yeah, I, I experiment. Um, because you wouldn't need more than a, a few tablespoons, quarter cup at the very most. I can't see. Um, have you heard? That'd be a lot of sugar. And that's oh, the sugar. Okay, I didn't the, think of that. Yeah, it's the sugar and stuff that makes the fizz. I think a tablespoon, two tablespoons would probably be plenty to second ferment. Because you're fermenting it with less than a... 32 ounces. Yeah, they're 32 they're, ounce bottles. So they're a quart. Yeah, a quart. Minus... Yeah, two, three inches headspace. Inch, yeah. And that's where that's for that fizzy. Mm -hmm. That's for the fizz to build up. And so hence, when you go to open them, point them away from your face. Yes. I think Rich used to open his in sink. Just, 
just in case. Just in case. <laughs> just always in like, case. Yeah, be careful when you open that. Because like, I guess we didn't talk about when you bottle, when you bottle your kombucha to make sure you leave that headspace. If you're second fermenting. When, oh, only if you're second yeah, fermenting. Because, okay. because when I drain mine, um, I probably leave an inch or so. Okay. Headspace. I mean, I'm not exact and stuff because it's done fermenting. It's not going to make a bunch of, it will make a little more fizz inside those bottles, but mine aren't, maybe, maybe the, the, maybe it's how long it's going to be in your refrigerator before you drink it. You know, um, ours, because of how much we drink, I bet our bottles are never in our refrigerator more than three weeks. Every two weeks I am making a draining our kombucha and I wrote it first in first out. So I'm rotating, make sure that I don't have nine month old kombucha in the back of the Okay, that fridge. makes sense. Speaking of second ferment, is there any fruit that you know of or fruit juice that you can't use? Should you use 100% juice or can you use like a cranberry cocktail? I think you could use anything. You know, okay. you could use a cocktail. I mean, that's where you, you get, you know, like you look at it, uh, lemon ginger, um, mango, strawberry. You see those in commercial kombuchas. So you can make your own multi-flavored. I mean, if you want to be a purist, just put a flavor in. If you want to make a pineapple okay. strawberry. You know, sometimes they're like, well, you can't use lemon because it's citrus or something. I mean, sometimes I see things like that where you can't. Don't use a citrus fruit or something. Not necessarily for kombucha, but for other things. Oh, for other things. Yeah, but kombucha doesn't matter. So if I want to no. make it lemon flavored, I can have lemon flavor. Yeah, but you're you're. It's not going to be a lemonade flavor. Mm. It's going to be a that is that is very tart. It's not lemonade. No, it is not <laughs> lemonade because <laughs> okay. it's not had enough sugar at, or it's eaten the sugar that was added to it. If you look at it, that I mean, you could put a little bit of lemon aid in it if that's an issue and herbs are okay can you put like mint in there i bet like you could. so you could spice it or yeah you know, i've or, never done it but i i would see no i mean i don't know these are just things i just thought of as yeah i talking, mean so. especially if you're doing a second ferment with it oh you're you're gonna have a bottle i mean if there's a combination that you think oh that sounds good to me take a bottle and second ferment it um mint by itself i can't see it having enough sugar so you may need to put you know, half a teaspoon. If you're wanting the fizz more than just the flavor, you would have to put a little bit of sugar in it to, so then think of a combination that would go with the mint. I was going to say, because I know I see a lot of people when they are making flavored water, mint and cucumber. If you put that mint in with another fruit, fruit, you probably wouldn't have to add any sugar. No, no. You need a little sugar. Does, That's where you get your fermentation going Okay, on. so if you use ginger, or do you never just use ginger and you always have lemon or something? Lemon just doesn't seem like it would be real sweet to me. No, but, no. But, no. Um, yeah, maybe they're adding a ginger. You'd have to look that up. I yeah, honestly don't research. know. Um, I do know ginger is a very popular um, flavor for kombucha. Yes. So that would be interesting. I For those that can't hear, our producer just asked me about preservatives. Yes, I would be very cautious of preservatives that are in you know, commercial juices. Read your ingredients. I would think a preservative in a juice that it would interfere with the good bacteria probiotics that are in it. And that's why we're doing it. We want more than just an alternative to soda pop. I would think you'd want to do it for the probiotics. So you want, you want your juice to be pretty much in its purest form. Yeah, you can't do organic, can't find organic, get it. I mean, and it's hard. Um, I don't even know about citrus acid. I mean, that would be, if you're going to second ferment with it, do a bottle. 
before you do your whole batch. Yeah, that makes total sense. And then right. you got your little test batches, so that's, you kind of know how it works. I mean, I look at that, that's my whole kitchen. Is you, I'm always experimenting with something in it. So I think we pretty much covered what I see on my paperwork in front of me. Uh, I just really think a person should, well, kombucha is not something I care for, but we do make it in our house. Yeah. Um, but it is, I think it's a really good health um, thing, although I couldn't find any studies that really said anything about um, how kombucha works in humans. In lab rats, yes. Yeah. Um, but in humans, I really didn't find anything that said that it was this great health tonic that they talk about. But if they've, we've been doing this for how long? Centuries? Thousands of years. You know, I mean, seriously. Yeah. And be, and if you go Google it, you will come across the articles that are saying, no, you're going to kill yourself. Because that was Carol's text to me last <laughs> night. It was like, I'm surprised you're still alive. And I'm like, I know, right? And I'm sure that's probably the first one I read going, oh, I'm not making this. No, well, don't go with the first Google. Go down a few articles and read. Right. The articles I saw said that, you know, it can upset your stomach. Um, you got to be careful because of the alcohol content because you are you are brewing it kind of and it is. But it's less than 0.001%. Yeah, it's pretty because even in the stuff in the store has it has to be on a 0.1. Let's see. 0.05. It has to be less than that for alcohol for it to be able to be sold on the shelf. So, yeah, and but I did read that you could, if you leave it too long, you can make a stronger alcohol. So I'm not concerned. I, of, I yeah. don't know, but that is my just, husband laughed at that comment. Um, but yeah, they say that you can cause you know if you drink too much of it, that type of thing. And um, the Mayo Clinic article I read was like, oh, you probably shouldn't drink it, and you know because it might have bad bacteria. In it. And if you brew it at home, oh my goodness gracious, you know you're going to get bad bacteria and whatever. And if you do drink it, only drink it if you like it, which I thought was kind of a stupid statement. And if it's come from a trusted source, preferably a store. I don't know if I necessarily trust the store because I hear more things about E. coli in fruits and vegetables yes. okay. so than here, anywhere else. So whatever. Is, um, <laughs> um, I know when I was doing research, um, the website that I initially learned off, because when I went to learn, I went to YouTube because YouTube isn't your, you know, there are people like us out there, crazy people making videos and putting them out there. Mm-hmm. Until somebody says, nope, that's wrong, we'll take you down. But anyway, so the first one that came up when I was doing YouTube was culturedfoodlife.com. She had a video, video about making kombucha. She did have like PubMed. Um, she referenced down at her bottom of her page articles with a link to that article that if you can read that stuff, I cannot. I can't, you know, it's like it gives me a headache trying to research, to read research papers and stuff like that. So there are, you know, you just, they're far and few between. Right. They they just really haven't concentrated on any and, studies and, and, for that. Yeah, because you're not making money off it. Right. Why else would they, the only reason they do a research paper or a research of anything, in my opinion, is I want to make money off this. Why would you spend mil- million, millions money on a research project and not have plans to make money with it? A phrase I hear in my world is, um, we're experiment of one. We're, we're in one. And so that's that's all my life is. And so hence you do what's good for you. And yeah, I roll my eyes at science sometimes or what the authorities say we should and shouldn't do. Right. Especially but if they're last I, two years. I just think kombucha is a fairly safe yeah. safe thing. And it's it's simple. It's cheap. And it's not. As long as you keep your stuff clean, 
yeah. you should be just I mean, fine. It's like, and I mean, if you're cooking food and making food in your house and you're not dying from E. coli or salmonella or whatever, you can make kombucha. Yeah, kombucha is pretty, it's pretty simple. I mean, what's your, what's your level of cleanliness that you can stomach? Yeah, so, and once again, use your nose, use your mouth. Yep. If it doesn't smell right, doesn't look right, doesn't taste right, don't consume it. Okay. All right. So I think we have covered everything here. So um, once again, you can make kombucha on your homestead. Yep. Whether that be in the town, in the city, in the city, <laughs> in the country, wherever. I mean, it's really simple, really easy, yep. a nice benefit to add to your little medicine cabinet or your preventative. Yeah. I look at more preventative. Yep. So you can maybe get rid of the So I don't take soda a pop. I'd, yeah, that you can get rid of some of that bad food in your life. Or I don't take probiotic pills anymore because I do the fermented kombucha, kefir, and sauerkraut and those. Yep, and they're much better because they're, natu- they're natural. Not, they're they're not, yeah. And nobody's making money off of it. Yeah, and, and they say a lot of times the the bacteria that's in a probiotic, a lot of times it won't make it through your intestinals, your stomach, into your st- intestines where you, your body will absorb it. Because because they're because they're not live. That per makes se. total sense. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I'd like to thank y'all for turning in. Uh, turning in. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank you for t- tuning in and listening to our jabber here about um, kabucha. And hey, if you you do kabucha and you have a good recipe for a second ferment or know something about that we yeah. didn't talk about and that yeah. you because. I'm Jamie's I'm sure always looking for ways to use the kombucha in her house and she likes to experiment so leave a note or send us an email um, at twogalshomesteading.com you also find us at twogalshomesteading on Facebook and Instagram the number two gals homesteading not T-W-O oh yes yes so it's two gals homesteading with the number two and um, let us know what you think Um, if you have any um, insight uh, and make sure you share our podcast with your friends and family if you enjoyed this. So until next time, I put some kefir on it. <laughs> We'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. Thank you for listening to the Homestead Podcast's latest episode. Your hosts, Carol Radke and Jamie Kappis, are two gals homesteading. To learn more, go to twogalshomesteading.com or the Two Gals Homesteading Facebook page at facebook.com slash twogalshomesteading. Editing, audio production, and marketing of the Homestead Podcast is the responsibility of Media Trends X. The Homestead Podcast is an audio product of Media Trends X, a limited liability company, based in Minnesota, USA.